0: Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Today is Tuesday, May the 18th, and we gather this next hour around the gift of the inspired and true Word of God and the Word made flesh, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. The light shines on us today from 1 Kings chapter 18. Now, what we're doing is we are not going to do the whole chapter because I know everybody wants to get to the end of the chapter when you get to the prophets of Baal defeated by Elijah. But there are many contextual and background things that set us up for that great portion of scripture. Plus, let's be honest, you've gone through that many times in Sunday school. Today, Elijah has gotten He just got fed by ravens. He provided flour and oil that never stopped flowing, and the Lord used him to raise the widow's son. Now we'll see him confront Ahab. And Ahab is a unique figure in Holy Scripture. And he said in previous episodes that what Elijah is is very important. Malachi tells us that the Lord will send Elijah. Elijah is on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus and it's good for us to slow down, go back to the Scriptures and see how the Lord um, uh, unveils who Elijah is. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. A special thanks to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. To help us be strengthened by God's Word this morning, we have with us Pastor Nabil Neuer of Trinity Lutheran Church in Hartford, South Dakota. And he also serves as the fourth vice president of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Pastor Neuer, welcome back to Thy Strong Word.
1: Well, oh, blessed morning, dear brother in Christ. Brady, how are you on this lovely Tuesday?
0: Oh, it's a beautiful day here in Minnesota as well. South Dakota is the same?
1: Yeah, a little bit overcast. Uh, we got a little moisture, which is much needed, and we're thankful. And today we pray that the water of, uh, and the Word will splash our hearts and prepare us to hear the Word so that we might rejoice in the message we have to discuss today.
0: Wonderful. Pastor Neuer, one of the things I wanted to um, have you talk a little bit to is you have a unique title, fourth vice president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Now, to to take a step back, we had uh, Pastor Peter Lang, who is first vice president. You know, he's obviously three rungs in the ladder higher than you, if you could say it that way. But tell us, what does a fourth vice president do in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod?
1: Well, um, good morning to all of the saints who are listening. The fourth vice president is an extension of the arm of the president. I am here to assist the president in any way that is necessary to carry on his duty. Um, The title is kind of deceiving. I think of myself as an emissary, an ambassador, a servant of um, President Harrison. And whatever help uh, President Harrison needs, be it conversation in my region with other DPs or um, consultation on a matter uh, as such, uh, that's, we are a great support for the team so that the gospel, the ministry, and the message, and the Messiah may be known throughout the whole world
0: wonderful and as you have said before on our program and i've heard you speak about this it's amazing how much the word has gone around the world through the preachers through the through uh the workers the teachers the lay people um, missionaries uh, fellowship with other church bodies around the world amazing how our lord has used the word to reach people with the gospel of our lord jesus am i correct
1: Very, very true but i will also (laughs) add another thing that we over overlook It is the ladies around the coffee table on uh, Mm. every day that they meet together, or brothers at work who are standing in the line sharing the words of hope, or um, people who are sick and you are visiting them, or making a dish for somebody who is uh, a widow or a widower, or just destitute. So, you know, when the Lord of the scripture, the great I am, the blessed lamb, we just celebrated the Passover, of course, Mm -hmm. said take care of the fatherless and the widows. Anything that we can do in our daily vocation, we are getting the word out, and we don't want to forget that
0: absolutely no thank you for that reminder that's a wonderful reminder but today that's what we're doing is well uh, around your table I'm around my table in my church office here and around people's tables because people will say that they'll have have lunch during our time together so that's what we're doing as well here on KFUO so as we begin this pastor uh, uh, brother uh, can you begin us in prayer
1: absolutely in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Blessed Lord Jesus, what a privilege and honor it is to speak your word to multitude of saints throughout the world via the medium of the Internet, the radio, and any other means through podcasts, um, apps. Thank you for these modern technology that we can take the gospel out of a small area, be it in Minnesota, South Dakota, St. Louis, everywhere around the world so that people might be comforted. And as we spend time in the ocean of your word, as we discuss Ahab and Elijah and Abedihu, that you would help us to focus on that which is godly, which is salutary, that which enhances our soul's benefit and keeps us grounded in that precious life-giving word. Be present among us, for you promised where two or three are gathered in your name, there we are in the midst. To that end, O Father, hear us for the sake of him who is the word eternal, your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, to Him be glory now and forever. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Reminder to our listeners, if you have any questions for us concerning 1 Kings chapter 18, or really other questions that you may have on your heart this morning, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. Pastor Neuer, we are in 1 Kings chapter 18. And like I said in my intro, we want to get, obviously we want to get to the Baal Prophets, but first there's some important context that we, you know, background, a lot of things have happened as we get to chapter 18, these first 19 verses especially. Any background or thematic thoughts you have to help us out this morning?
1: Absolutely. Uh, but before I do that, I just talked mm-hmm. to Jenny Williams, who is the director who are setting up this meeting. But I also believe that our listeners could call the 800 number. Am I correct, uh, Brady, on this one? Or am I wrong um, on that one?
0: We, they they, they could. I, to be honest, I was going to start that next week as far as starting okay. that as I'm still That's getting my feet fine. wet. But yeah, I'll
1: let, you, mm-hmm. I'll let you take care of that. But the <laughs> one thing good. that I want to highlight, the one thing that I want to highlight is... Ahab is one of the worst kings that comes upon this sea. He is as wicked as wicked can get, and yet uses him to bring his mighty power. And the other thing that is really important is that God uses nature. You know, we talk about global warming and, you know, the Green Deal. But God can stop the rain or send the rain as he sees fit to bring about repentance. This portion of the scripture in 18 is God calls to repentance through the prophet Elijah and even the servant who is in Ahab's um, court, who is a god fearing, and so the background is very fitting i when Jenny texted or emailed to say, "Hey, these dates are available, I didn't respond immediately because I was in the middle of something because I really wanted to take the latter part of the scripture, like you said, because yeah. I have been I have been on the same site where Elijah literally slaughtered the nine hundred and fifty prophets. Not just four fifty, but nine hundred and fifty. I've been there many times because I take tours to the Holy Land every year. And even now that I will be leaving in August. And so one of my greatest joys is to translate the original on the top of the mountain in the conversing. But that's not for me, that's for another brother. But what I do have here in these words is really a call to repentance. God does these things. He takes nature and uses nature to break someone's arrogance. We see this in the Old Testament, in the book of Daniel, for example, in the book of Exodus. Anytime somebody tries to raise himself about God, God cuts him down, even by using nature, you know, uh, dr- mm. drought or storms or locust or whatever it is. So everything is at the disposal of God's power to carry out the mission and the ministry to introduce us to the Messiah.
0: I love it. And, and this goes back to chapter 17, where the Lord told Elijah, There will be a drought. And Correct. if I'm, yeah. And so it definitely shows throughout the Bible that God uses nature for the sake of repentance. And we also see that, and I, I would love to hear your thoughts on this because this is, like I said, today's verses are very important for the context, as you said, for the end of the chapter. Is that we, how would we as pastors, as Christians, speak about how when there is a natural disaster, that I think, tell me what your thoughts are. We can say, that like a hurricane or a tornado or whatever it might be, we can't necessarily say that that happened because of X sin, but we do know that we need to we need to be people of repentance as we see that and realize we need to trust in the Lord. How would you how would you describe that when a natural disaster through nature happen for us today? Because I think that's important as we look at our text today.
1: Well, that's a great question, and I think it's uh, very valuable to answer it correctly. Ever since the fall into sin, Adam and Eve ruined what we have. And since we live in a broken world, the world does not function as it is. Realizing that God uses everything, even the bad things of nature, to bring about good. So I cannot say every event in history's nature is God-ordained, can't say that because we don't have it unless he specifically says in his word and the key for this uh, which i was privileged to speak last week in um, phoenix about this the three essential c's of scripture which are so important and we cannot take this lightly the first c is this context is king we are in first king so we need to know the context context is king secondly Culture is queen, and Christ is center. These mm. are the three essential C's of Scripture. If you want to understand the Scripture, don't lump it all into the same, because you can't. You've got to take the context for what it is. The context declares what is necessary for us. You need to know what came before, as you shared earlier, where God in First Kings 17 told Elijah to pray and he's going to shut the windows of heaven that even the springs are not going to bring the water okay that's the first thing secondly you need to know the the culture why was this being done at this moment okay and finally all of this to bring us like a zoom on christ the messiah the eternal i am the great i the great lamb who gives his life to the sins of the world uh, the whole scripture from front to finish is wet. By that, I mean there's baptismal waters all over. And secondly, like Luther said, it bleeds from the first page to the last page. There's blood all over, which, of course, the means by which God uses to bring about salvation to us.
0: Wonderful. Thank you for that over— uh, the. Um... The uh, review, the over overview, as we look at chapter eighteen, and I love that the three C's: context is king, culture is queen, Christ is the center, and that that's a great oh. one for you, our listeners, to continue to think about when you read the scriptures. And and our focus really here on KFUO is how do we make sure that we're looking at all three of those C's? Any last thoughts before we dig in, Pastor?
1: Yeah, going to the third point that I shared with the sea. remember the Mm -hmm. center keeps you balanced. You move way to the right, Uh you're going to tip it. You move to the left, you're going to tip it. This is the balance. Christ is the anchor, the hope, the help. He is the foundation. He is the rock eternal. He is the water that satisfies. He is the bread that nourishes. Without him being the center of our lives, we got Nothing.
0: That, amen. I just say amen to that one, Pastor. So let's let's dig in to chapter 18, and we'll move move through this relatively slowly. As you can tell to our listeners, if you, Besser Newer, has done his homework, and he continually does his homework. So if you have any questions, make sure you send that email in, kfuo at kfuo.org. We'll do verses 1 and 2 in chapter 18. After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, go. Show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria. So as we talked about that there would be a drought, did you find anything about how long this drought was? It says the third year. Do you have any we'll insight that? Like
1: was three we do know it was three and a half years, and actually this is alluded to in Revelation, 1,256 days, so it's the same oh. period. It's, it is spoken about in Revelation. We do know that for three and a half years uh, in Chapter 17, uh, we, we get a glimpse of how long it's going to last, um, and a few weeks ago, I think you had David Fleming from Daxology,
0: Mm-hmm, and
1: mm-hmm. he was talking about the word the far and mm-hmm. um, that's kind of when i knew that uh, the people i couldn't call that day i tried to call and i couldn't because <laughs> i thought it was so so profound that he highlighted that and this is kind of reminding me you remember in first uh, samuel we mm-hmm. are told that the word has not been uh, given uh, at that time there was silence for a moment so the word of the lord comes, and of course that's the person as well as the word it is, because remember that's how creation was, through the word, right? And so Mm -hmm. uh, what's interesting here, and I'm looking at it in the Hebrew in front of me, and after many days the word of the Lord came to uh, Elijah, go in the third year, so we are in the middle of the drought right now, okay, so it's in the third year saying to him, go and reveal yourself or show yourself to um, Ahab. And I was looking at that word, Ahab, Uh, it really comes from two Hebrew words, Ach and Av, Ach is brother and Av is father. And I talked to Reed Lessing, who is a better scholar than I am in the Hebrew, and he says, well, I mean, I can translate it uncle, but he says, don't push the etymology too much. But I was just gonna, ironically, I never paid attention to it before, and I looked at it in the Arabic language this morning, and they, they um, wrote Echab, which is Ach in Arabic, and Ab is a father in Arabic. So it's the same thing. And I thought that was kind of ironic uh, play on words, perhaps. I don't wanna push the point, but again, the word Ahab uh, could mean uncle, but I'm not gonna push that because I don't know for a fact but the point is this king is so wicked and we'll we'll see that coming up here shortly as he's looking for water and we'll explain on that but what is interesting that the lord himself tells elijah to go now why is he telling him this we don't over again remember i said earlier context this king Uh, in uh, matthew when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and the scribes, he made the comment that a prophet is not welcome in his own house, right? Mm-hmm. Or in his own mm-hmm. town. Well, think of this. Elijah was asked to go outside the territory of the Jewish people. He was going to Sidon to visit a Widow. And the only son who was going to die because he didn't have any food, but yet God took him outside to give him a reprieve. So sometimes God separates so that he can bring back together. And this is kind of where you are. So he's been gone for a while, and now he says, okay, now let's do the work. Let's get ready, go show yourself, and we follow it from there.
0: And it's interesting. That's that's absolutely perfect. You're right. Three and a half years— that this drought has been happening and it's important for us to know he's kind of been off the grid for a while. That's right. Um, that is
1: correct.
0: It, it, yeah. And so this is good to know as we, as we read more about Obadiah and, and the situation there. And also the famine was severe. And if it's, what's I remember when I was a kid, 1988, uh, I remember my, my, both my uncles, uh, our, our, our farmers and it was a bad year it was a very very dry hot summer and i remember it being like wow that was a really bad drought but that was one summer and and typically and you might know more about this in south dakota and maybe your your homeland is you will have grain that you will store away from the previous year you know just for the sake of uh, th- just an emergency situation you have that well you typically don't have enough for three years you know, when you put things into the elevator and i mean the the silos and everything like that, and I think it's different now, but that I remember in nineteen eighty eight that was one summer, and then from there, my uncle said it never stopped raining you know in the nineties is what he told me, but that was one summer, and this is three and a half years of drought where you can't regrow anything, so it was a severe Um, drought, which then would lead to a severe famine for that kind of culture. So they're at their wit's end, I would say, in every single which way. So any thoughts on that, as it says, severe in three and a half years?
1: Well, we do have it from Scripture. Joseph went through that seven years of famine in Egypt, Mm -hmm. and our country in the U.S., not Israel, Um, Because in Israel, I haven't been through any major famines like this. But here in this country, in the 1930s, during the Depression, Mm -hmm. that was a terrible... My mother-in-law told me, she's now sainted uh, in the Great Promised Land. She said, you know, Nabil, there were times they literally would put towels on the windows to seal them because the dust just kept coming through. And for seven years, nothing grew. I mean, even right. thistles were gathered, tried to get for the cattle. So do, right. there are some years, and again, God brings about natural causes for his ministry to cause people to repent because he did say, if you do what I command you, the land will never go dry. He did tell us that. But he said, if you do not do these things, there will be consequences.
0: And we see that over and uh, over one again.
1: Other, one other thought. Interestingly, again, uh, read for me in the English, um, verse 3, beginning with Ahab called.
0: Do you want me to just do verse 3, Pastor?
1: Yeah, just read it.
0: And Ahab called Obadiah, who was over the household. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly.
1: Perfect. Obadiah Mm -hmm. in the Hebrew is the servant of Yahweh, literally. His name, Obadiah in the Hebrew, is the servant of Yahweh. Think of that. So God puts an emissary of his in Ahab's court in the hope of changing his heart. But his heart is so hardened... If you look at Psalms 115, where if you worship an idol, you become just like an idol. You don't have ears, you don't hear. You don't have eyes, you don't see. You don't have heart, you don't feel. And so Ahab becomes an idol to himself. We'll talk about that shortly. But And then we are told he was placed over the house of Ahab, mm-hmm. similar to Joseph, a believer yeah. in the house yeah. of a heathen, a believer in the house of... a uh, I'm going to call him an idiot um, <laughs> in the house of uh, that. And then look at that, the end of it. And Obadiah, Haya Yara et Yahweh Leod. He feared the Lord greatly. Mm. So this man, a believer, trusts in God and fears Him in the true sense.
0: So let's do this. Let's continue on to verse 6. We'll talk for a few minutes before we take our break, because that is a great segue um, for us to look at the rest. Not only would Obadiah fear the Lord, but he lived it out in his life. So let's, yeah. let's continue on through verse 6. And when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water. And Ahab said to Obadiah, Go through the land to all the springs of water and to all the valleys. Perhaps we may find grass and save the horses and mules alive and not lose some of the animals. So they divided the land between them to pass through it. Ahab went in one direction by himself and Obadiah went in another direction by himself. Now I want to ask this question, Pastor, is... Obadiah, and I was reading this, Obadiah is mentioned 13 times in the Old Testament. It seems like there's 13 different Obadiahs. We want to make sure we know who this Obadiah is. Can you tell us much about him? Uh,
1: I, I didn't spend a lot of time to look at it, honestly. I can't, I don't, I didn't take the time, so I'm, I don't want to say something that I am not um, versed on. Uh, sure. Like you said, there, there may be more. I, I I didn't take the time. What I was interested in, in In the context of this, yep. you know first we see the the atrocity of Jezebel, okay mm-hmm. and um she destroys the prophets or cut down the prophets and um and then what we do see is Obadiah, the faithful servant of God, who fears God, yet he puts his life in jeopardy, and what does he do? He hides a hundred and takes them water and bread to sustain their lives, okay? So we live by water, we live by bread, right? And so he sustained them for a period. What, what, what really struck me is how callous Ahab is. He's never once concerned about the people of Israel. He's concerned about the horses and the animals, that he elevates them wow. above people. And I see this today in our nation. And to those of you who are listening an Animal Lover, please do not do not think that I don't like animals or I want to destroy them all. But there's so many people who are elevating their dogs or cats to such an extreme place. Thousands of dollars are spent on dogs and cats. For example, one, one person spent $2,500 dollars on a dog to have surgery on the hip, okay, $2,500. How many uh, ministries, could we have carried out with that twenty five hundred dollars? Is the animal important? Absolutely. But do we spend six thousand, twenty five hundred, twenty five dollars, all of these expenses? So I see in this here how depraved Ahab is. He's not once ever concerned, do the people have enough food as a king. He should protect them, provide for them. But instead he says, let's see if we can find something for the horses and so that we can keep them alive and the animals this is the atrocity that we are beginning to see humanity is um not such a concern for him but animals are and that is something Ahab will have to answer to God and many of us who elevate animals higher than God, uh, than uh, people. Because we are to- told, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and your neighbor as yourself. And I don't see this being carried out by um, Ahab at all.
0: Right now, we need to take our break. We will touch more on that, the reality of what kind of king was Ahab. We've talked about it a little bit. We'll talk more on the other side of the break. We are citing 1 Kings chapter 18 with Pastor Nabil Noor, and we'll be right back. Mm-hmm.
1: Our listeners and supporters are talking about Worldwide KFUO.
0: One of my real aspirations is to set my mind on things above where Christ is. That's hard in that world of distraction. KFUO is really helping me to fix my mind on things above, to meditate on the things of Christ. You've been very helpful to me, and I appreciate it.
1: To leave a message on the KFUO comment line, call 314-996-1542. Worldwide KFUO.
0: The USA is the third largest mission field in the world, and church planning is one of the most effective means of making new disciples, new missions to new people in new places. Get ready to plow the fields. Check out the Mission Field USA podcast produced by the LCMS Office of National Mission. You can find it at kfuo.org or anywhere you get your podcasts. Did you know that your individual retirement account may make the best gift to KFUO? The IRS now allows individuals 70 and a half or older to transfer their required minimum distribution directly to charity and avoid paying the associated income tax. These gifts can provide regular long-term resources to KFUO. If you have questions about making an IRA gift to KFUO, call me, Mary, at 314 996 1518. We'll send a representative out to help answer your questions and help you establish a legacy of giving to your favorite radio station, Worldwide KFUO. And welcome back. We are studying First Kings chapter eighteen with Pastor Nabil Newer, and as we've been studying this, uh, it's such a joy to have Pastor Newer here because he's digging into some of the Hebrew, he's digging into the context. Uh, he's looking at the culture and obviously we're looking at Christ as he said so well that the the pages of scripture bleeds all over which points us to the blood of Jesus which saves us from our sins and gives us eternal life. What well, we're talking about Ahab right now. I want to make this highlight pastor and then I want some of your thoughts as well. Chapter 16 is our first time we talk about Ahab. His uh, his father was um, Omri, and, and he, was, he was king. He took over, and it tells us that he did everything, that he did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. Mary's Jezebel, who did not have the same faith, puts up Ashwa, puts up Baal's, all of this, and it continues to say that he um, uh, brought anger to Yahweh more than any other kings of Israel that were before him. So after all of that review... What are we to make of Ahab?
1: <laughs> well, uh, Ahab is a false um, Jewish king sitting on the throne of God's people, and you know, uh, when in essence he becomes God because he doesn't care about Yahweh. Of course, he at first he marries. Someone who is unlike him, which God says, don't do that. And of course, Solomon fell into the same disaster. But thank God at the end of his life, he comes to his senses and says, yeah, I blew it. Ahab does not do that. And later on, we see that um, and how uh, atrocious is Ahab that uh, I don't know. I never counted how many women he married besides Jezebel, but he had 70 sons. Okay, think of that. How many women is that, plus this is just sons, they didn't count the girls. So, you know, this man is he is worse than the kings of Saudi Arabia in having married a lot of women to have a lot of sons. And of course, Yehu killed them all uh, later on after um, Ishma, Elisha tells uh, him on God's words. But We are also told he is the worst king of Israel because he really emphasized Baal worship instead of um, to worship the only true God. No other person is to be uh, worshipped except the God of Israel, the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Abraham, excuse me, Ahab, is a devil in disguise because he's mm-hmm. doing everything contrary to the word of God. And he is and the, the sad reality of this, Brady, is this dear brother, that he is he is leading people astray. Right. And you know, Jesus addressed this. Woe to you if you take a little child and cause him to sin it would be better for you not to be born, or if you were born, to put a millstone around your neck and be drowned, and the suffering that comes because of that. And we see this not with one, but on a full scale of population. You have the 10 tribes, and we see the severity of the viciousness and the chaos and the hatred that happens between Judah and Israel and the wars, all because you don't walk in the presence of God. And we see this even today. You have Israel proper, and they are at war with Gaza. Somebody asked me, how is your family? I said, my family are doing well. Why is there so much trouble? I said, you have two different people both sons of Abraham, one through the free woman, Sarah, another through the servant woman, Hagar, the Arabs and the Jews, their odds with one another. Why is that? Because I said they don't worship Jesus because Jesus said forgive, and there is no forgiveness. And therefore, atrocity happens, violence happens, death and destruction and demise happens, all of these. And we see this right here being played out on the full pages of Scripture, and we see it in other places as well, where you go contrary to the will of God, and you begin to serve yourself, and you elevate yourself as God. Um, do you know, I don't know the author of Moby Dick, but do you realize that he uses the name Ahab in the story of Moby Dick?
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because
1: he was a vicious, vicious, wicked
0: uh, Kink. Someone asked me, "Was this a scene where he lost his leg in the Bible?" <laughs> I was like, "I think you're mixing up the stories. <laughs> this isn't the Bible. This is Moby Dick. Yeah, so." <laughs> no, it's, not, he, it's, not the, it's not in the Bible. No. <laughs> so, so here's a question that's come in via email. And the question is this, and I think it's a good one, this, this three-and-a-half-year drought and famine, they ask the question, is the drought famine a shot at the, at Baal, just like the ten plagues were at the gods of Egypt? What are your thoughts?
1: Oh, uh, my thoughts are absolutely, because God mocks, he often mocks these, you know, the fertility gods, gods or the snake god. God uses these people to say, you know, you're not like me. I can shut, you know, you have all of these gods that uh, all of the heathens, uh, you know, worship, which they still do today, actually, you know, and God says, okay, I'll show you who the real God is, you know, mm. and we have that in Isaiah, Isaiah talks about it, you know, they have all of these gods that is man-made, and we become like them, we are insolent to the the goodness of God, and we become just like these dumb wood or stone or marble or bronze or whatever it is you know and yet god makes one of them and he says no they're not the real god i am and i'll show you how so that is absolutely clear
0: that's a very helpful question keep the questions coming on kfuo at kfuo.org and as we look at um what's happened in these first six verses is a reality that Ahab is a wicked king and somehow the Lord had it that that Obadiah, like you said, servant of Yahweh, servant of the Lord is what his name means. And he obviously was a very faithful man who uh, housed prophets of Israel when Jezebel, who's the wife of Ahab, wanted to destroy all the prophets. And we'll learn more about that at the end of this chapter. But right in the middle of that, it gives us, in, in my mind, hope that even in the most evil and darkest of times, the Lord still builds up faithful people. Um, any, any thoughts on that, Pastor, before we move on on our text? I think that's a very striking reality in these first six verses.
1: The only thought while you were talking about that, I didn't think about it when I was looking at my Hebrew last night and early this morning to prepare for this. But now that you raise that it up, it came to my mind, you remember that the Assyrian king, Naman uh, had uh, leprosy. And yet mm. there was a young girl who was taken care of, said, oh, but now Man would see the prophet from Israel and he would heal him. Even in the enemy's court, God put somebody to bring about words of light in a dark place. And remember, why was why did God choose Israel? Again, context is king and culture is queen. Why did God choose them? We have that in Deuteronomy. God chose Israel to be a light for the nation. He tells them, I did not choose you because you were so numerous or because you were righteous, but I chose you because of my love for you. The reason God chose the people of Israel, because of love, so that they will be the bearer of God's good years. Why does the church exist today? Because we are not just to have fun as we gather together, but to be a light to the world that we serve and we communicate and tell the truth about who this Jesus is. He's the only way to the Father's throne of grace and mercy and compassion.
0: As we look at these verses, now let's move on to verses 7 through 12. Is Ahab, Obadiah are going to look for grass, all right? That's how bad it is. They're looking for anything they can find to feed the animals, like you said. Doesn't sound like he's too concerned about people. But now the story changes on us, and I want to really dig into these verses because they're quite profound. Seven, and we'll just go through verse 12 for the moment. And as Obadiah was on the way, behold, Elijah met him. And Obadiah recognized him and fell on his face and said, "'Is it you, my lord, Elijah?' And he answered him, "'It is I. "'Go tell your lord, behold, Elijah is here.' And he said, "'How have I sinned "'that you would give your servant "'into the hand of Ahab to kill me?' "'As the lord your God lives, "'there is no nation or kingdom "'where my lord has not sent to seek you.' "'And when they would say, he is not here,' he would take an oath of the kingdom or nation that they had not found you. And now you say, go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And as soon as I have gone from you, the spirit of the Lord will carry you. I know not where. And also when I come and tell Ahab that he cannot find you, he will kill me. Although I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. So this is an interesting move. So what are your thoughts on those verses, Pastor?
1: Well, uh, again, we don't expect God to function like man. We we would think, uh, you know, that God does things like man, but, you know, man is finite, God is infinite. So we, Isaiah 55, my ways are not like your ways. And this is kind of a backdoor jab at Ahab, Mm -hmm. but uh, the man that fears God for God, the power of God. Okay, so let's begin again with verse 7. And after Abadehu was on his way, and behold, uh, Elijah uh, meets him on the way, and he recognizes them, and he falls down to worship him. That's an honor of reverence uh, because of the prophet, and of course, We do know there are sons of the prophets. So there was a school, so people knew the prophets and I presume they were dressed in a specific way in particularly so that they were identified. You know, it's kind of like me when I go to the hospital or when you go to the hospital, I always have my collar on. I don't put a suit Mm -hmm. or a tie, I put a collar on. As soon as I go in, they know I am a man of the cloth. I represent Jesus, so I'm not coming by myself. Anyway, so in this, so he comes and he says, "Is this you?" And yes, uh, Elijah responds and eight, "Yes, it is I." And then he says, "Go tell." Um, uh, let's see. Let me hear. Let me yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I am. I am him. And he says, uh, "Why would? Uh, uh, what have I done that you want me to go and tell Ahab?" Now, why is? Obadiah so fearful. Okay, first, right. two things. Number one, he's been hiding the prophets, right, of God. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, um, Ahab because he's been searching for Elijah in his backyard, but he was really very close that they didn't see where he was at. And in that respect, then Obadiah is afraid. Because everybody's been looking for him, and Ahab is thinking now: if you are not telling me the truth, your life is in jeopardy. That's what it means when he asks them to swear. And so Obadiah is afraid that he might be the next head on the block, so to speak. Mm. Because what happened in the past, um, um, what happened in the past is this: that if you lied to the king your life is in jeopardy and all of the people who were searching for him could found him could not find him excuse me and now i'm looking for him and he is here and what is the fear uh, fear of obadiah that if he goes and tell ahab elijah is gonna p- disappear And so he's not looking at the full picture. And it's kind of like us so many times, we become so anxious because we don't really, yeah, we do trust God, but I want to be part of this, but that I'm going to help God a little, so to speak. And of course, Paul addresses this in Philippians chapter 4, be anxious for nothing that, um, you know, Uh, By anything, but make your request known to God. Obadiah, for a moment, has a lapse of judgment and forgets. But the comfort is that Elijah says, it's me, I'm going to stay here, go talk to your king, and we'll come back and discuss
0: it. And that, that, that's a great way to say it, because we know that he's a faithful man. He's he's lived that faithful life. And we put ourselves in the same shoes that Obadiah is thinking very logically. You know, he's he, like, okay, Elijah's been gone for three and a half years. And when people have gone out to look for him, they have to make an oath saying, nope, we didn't find him. And if I if I go to you and say, hey... Yeah, Elijah's out there. You go out there, don't find him. He comes back and say, you have to say an oath that you didn't find him. All of a sudden, boom, <laughs> I can't say that oath and I'm gone. Which we can, we can, I mean, he's thinking very logically. He's a smart guy. He knows, but he's not necessarily thinking in the eyes of faith at this stage. Uh, and that's a struggle absolutely. for all of us, isn't it?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And actually he says, what have I done? And the word that is using what is my sin? what is the sin that I have committed because you it's you give to my servant to go into the hands of Ahab to cause me to, to be put to death okay
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so this is this is so very important and how often when something comes upon us what do we say Lord what have I done? Why am I doing all of these things forgetting that God does not work or think like we do? We think, what have I done? Something happens. Lord, What? Go- why are you doing this to me? I've been faithful to you. And this is kind of what is going on with Obadiah. We tend to forget that God does not work in our economy in our social justice, and any of these things, you know. This is kind of the key element right here. We tend to, uh, and I I heard one of my colleagues say, we tend to put God in a box, and we put him on the mantle. And when we need him, we get him out of the box, kind of like a bottle, uh, the genie in the bottle. We rub him and say, okay, now help me, otherwise I'm in control, which, of course, we are not. Okay? And this is kind of what Obadiah is doing right here. He's the servant of God. He fears God. We know that. He's been doing great things, but he has a lapse of judgment at this moment that he does not see the goodness of God in working through these things. And that's when the focus is internal than external. One of the great things we do as uh, Missouri Synod pastors, because we follow Luther's teaching, is this that God's gift comes to us from the outside, all externals. The means of grace are externals, right? Nothing uh, from me. It's all from the outside. And the same things with the words of hope. It's not a good feeling in my heart. It's the confidence and ground of the word that gives me the hope. that, That enlightens our hearers a little bit better to grasp what is going on.
0: Absolutely. So let's, let's continue for 13 through 16, and then we'll finish it up after that. Because like you've been saying, he's had a lapse of judgment, but here Elijah kind of gives him a sermon. He gives him the assurance and reminds him once again of the Lord. So verse 13 through 16. Hasn't I been told my Lord what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord and how I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophet's Uh, by fifties in a cave and fed them with water, bread and water. And now you say, go and tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here and he will kill me. And Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him and Ahab went to meet Elijah. So a, a short sermon here <laughs> saying, go, tell your Lord, behold, Eli is here and da-da-da-da. And, and it just, it's a very simple sermon, but shows him, I come in the name of the Lord. Any Any thoughts on these before we get to our last verses?
1: Yeah, uh, in verse 9, um, I'm looking at the Hebrew where mm-hmm. Obadiah talks, What have I sinned that you asked me to go and talk into the hand of Ahab? And the Hebrew word there, to cause me to die, or to put me to death, okay? And when you come to the end of 14, where he tells him, Well, haven't you been told that I've done these things, fed them and give them water, verse 14? And now you are telling me, to go uh, to my uh, Lord, Hine Eliehu, and then he, the Hebrew word is not the same as it is in nine, the Haragani, but literally means to destroy me to the point of death. The first one is just put you to death. We are not told how, but the word dog harag, excuse me, almost has the crushing uh, to the point of death uh, severity of death, so to speak. And so he in here telling him, well, you know, you should have been told this, my lord. You know what I've been doing. Uh, now we don't know if he is aware of that or not because remember he was hiding these prophets because. If the things were known, Jezebel would have been there getting them out to kill them because she has already cut plenty of the prophets of God already. So I'm not so sure that is a common knowledge possible. But again, Scripture does not say, and the description does not say we don't uh, act that way. But then uh, in a very uh, few words, Elijah says, no, young man, I'm here to stay. Because this is preparing for the big battle that will be coming up at the end of the chapter, like you said earlier.
0: As we as we hear those words, I think it's good for us. We have about six minutes left here, Pastor, and I want to read the last three verses. And this this sets it up beautifully. I mean, it obviously, does this in the Bible, but it sets us up for what's going to happen um, for the next uh, the next section of chapter eighteen. And I want to hear your thoughts on the importance of these first few verses. Um, and what it means for us today in the church. So 17 through 19, as we wrap things up. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is it you? Is it you? You troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have, and your father's house, because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now therefore, send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel, and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So, Pastor, this kind of reminds me of an old Western, you know, uh, where, you know, one guy's standing there and says, okay, they're letting anyone in nowadays, huh? And the other guy's standing there, and it's almost like they're ready to get their holsters out and go after each other. And it's kind of like, you're causing trouble. No, you're causing trouble. How would you describe this confrontation of Ahab and Elijah?
1: Well, uh, you, since you brought western, that's kind of one of my favorite genre of movies. Uh, <laughs> I think of the think of the Corral, okay, Chorale, okay? Uh, or yeah. many of the other many of the others. Yeah, uh, you know, we always want to put the blame on somebody else, and of course, Ahab does not see himself as the God of. He does not see Yahweh as the God of truth. Instead, he is thinking that he is the truth, because immediately immediately in 17 he says oh uh, so ahab comes to him to elijah and says oh you are the one who has been troubling israel why is he right. troubling israel because he withheld the rain for three and a half years but then elijah says no young man you are wrong You are the troublemaker, and I'll tell you why. And he proceeds to tell him, because you and your household, you and your father, and the house that you live of your father, you have left at Mitzvot Yahweh, the commandments, the statues, the decrees of God. And you have gone after Habalim, and uh, not just one Baal, uh, ba- uh, ba- but the plural of Baalim. And, mm-hmm. um, and, mm-hmm. and, and so in that portion, before we get to 19, you have this um, confrontation. You are the guilty one because you have negated the word of God. You have destroyed the commandment. And it's pretty much like what's happening in our culture today. Many have forsaken God, forsaken the word. Numbers in the church are declining because many of the churches has, have watered down the gospel and neglect the truth that there is consequences to sin. We hear that from any other ch- many other churches who are not speaking the truth in love, calling sin for what it is. We can talk about the transgender, transgender, lesbianism, all of these things. I don't have a lot of time to go into this, but when you neglect mm-hmm. the Word of God, you're going to pay the consequences for that because God gave us the formula for a healthy living, both for soul and mind, so that we may speak the truth. We are not an island to ourselves, and we are reaping this right now, and that's why the numbers of the church are declining, because people are not speaking the truth of love, and how fitting it is that we must speak the truth of love when when you negate the word, when you negate the commandments, and anything goes, you live like the heathen, and you become a god, a small g, and therefore at the end of uh, this portion of our text today verse 19 and he says, and now go gather all of Israel uh, to the mountain HaKarmel which is literally the vineyard of God, okay HaKarmel means the vineyard of God and bring with you the 450 prophets of Baal and the uh, 400 prophets of um, Asherat, uh, who are uh, constantly dining and being spoiled at the, this is not little of translation, but uh, feeding in there, who are sitting at the table of Jezebel. So she's providing for them. And you know, when you provide someone everything that you need, they owe you something, Right. You feel mm-hmm. compelled to do something. And that is a terrible thing. And of course, David tried to do that when uh, Bathsheba's husband um, came back and he gave him enough to uh, to eat at his table with all the others, but ask him to go to the house. He says, how can I, when all my colleagues are out at the forefront, do you want me to go in and sleep with my wife? He says, I can't do this. So he stood firm, whereas all of these prophets are liars and deceivers, and they're not holding on to the word because they worship the false god.
0: In about 30 seconds here, Pastor, how would you summarize our verses today?
1: Uh, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand, or else be confronted with the truth that is going to cut you down.
0: Pastor Nobile Neuer of Trinity Lutheran Church, Hartford, South Dakota, helping us today in 1 Kings chapter 18. Pastor Neuer, thank you again for being our guest.
1: It is my privilege and God's blessings to all of our
0: listeners. As you learn today, context is king, culture is queen, Christ is at the center, and from beginning to end, there is blood everywhere, which points us to the truth and hope that we have in the blood of our Lord Jesus. We are here today knowing that our Lord is with us, with Elijah, and with the people, and the battle is still going on, but our Lord is always prepared to strengthen us. All this we give to Him and give Him thanks. I'm your host, Brady and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and may He keep you safe in the palm of His hands.